Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to the Film Board, the movie conversation podcast reviewing the latest releases that you've seen and want to talk about. My name is Andy Nelson, host of the Next Real Film Podcast. On this episode, we're slipping into the driver's seat as we shift into ninth gear for the Fast and Furious franchise. That's right, it's Justin Lin's F9. 
a way of changing. And we change too. I know some people, they would die for me. There are moments that separate us. But we always come back together. We heard y'all needed a little love out here. Y'all ever thought about the wild missions we've been on? We've taken out planes, trains, tanks. I'm not going to even think about the submarines. And now we got cars flying in the air? Who is he? Jacob is Dom's brother. It's a long time, Dom. Little brother. You always say never turn your back on family. But you turned your back on me. Now your little family is in my world. Are you ready? Whatever's on you, is you ready? It's on us. Are you ready? He's got his own private army. We need help. No way. Is you ready? Oh, whole ready. So how do y'all want to play this? Fast. Today, I am joined by our very own Ocean Murph. Hello, Ocean. Hello, Andy. I am excited to uh, join you. I'm excited to talk about this uh, movie. I'm excited really for multiple reasons, uh, not the least of which is this movie uh, represents the first time I went back to the theaters since mm. the pandemic. And it was uh, a wonderful, exciting experience seeing movies again, you know, big <laughs> and large with, you know, the big screens and the large sounds and the explosions and, you know, everything that everything that goes along with the uh, movie theater experience. How big did you go? Did you go IMAX? Like what, what, what size theater were you in? Just a regular, a normal size theater. I, okay. I did not go, I did not go IMAX. I, I, you know, I, looking back on it now, now you're making me wish I had gone <laughs> IMAX. I didn't, I didn't realize that I missed, uh, not going IMAX until you just now mentioned it. But That's yeah, right. it was just, you can always was, go back. You can yeah, always go back. Yeah. When I see it the second time. Yeah. So <laughs> then I, uh, yeah, I just went to, uh, you know, my local neighborhood theater. Uh, uh, you know, went, went, you know, went along, got seats. I went with my oldest son and it was, uh, it was a nice experience. They, you know, they're still doing some distancing inside the theaters, yeah. so you know that we have as well. But uh, you know, you walk in in the common areas wearing the mask, and then when you go into the theater, you can t- you know you're taking your mask off and just watching and enjoying the movie. And it was it was nice to kind of slip back into the movie theater going experience, right? And it even uh, took a little bit while with my son and I to remember, oh, we can't talk to each other during this. Right? You know? so, so probably about 30 minutes in or so, we're like, hey, you know what? Maybe we should be quiet, right? Because we're not in our living room. Right. We can just chit-chat about everything while, while this is going on. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's, a, it's back to the rules, back to kind of trying to be, be polite to your your neighbors next to you when you're watching the movie. So, well, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw it on, on the theater. And actually, this is not the first movie that we've talked about on the film board that is only in theaters. We have talked about a few others. Um, so we're still in that window though, where, you know, sometimes it's, it's in theaters and streaming somewhere. Sometimes it's only in theaters. And so it's kind of, uh, it's kind of nice to, uh, go back to this one, which, you know, I mean, it had a whole year that this one was sitting on the shelves waiting for a chance to come back to theaters because, I mean, and I think right, rightfully so, they held off on releasing this uh, in the theaters because they. This is one of those big bombastic movies that it makes sense these action action thrillers to kind of have in the theater where you're seeing all of this stuff happening on the big screen in front of you. 
Absolutely. And yeah, and I think that, you know, while, while when it was going on, I was saying, you know, I was, I was like with everyone else saying, Hey, just release all the movies that are at home. It's fine. We all have big televisions. When I saw this in the theaters, I did realize that, you know, they, they made the right choice. This, this movie needs to be big. Yeah. Well, let's start talking about it. Let's uh, get our all initial right. thoughts on F9 before we do, or maybe as we talk about this, I'm really curious what you think. This one's just called F9. I mean, that's kind of how they branded it, right? Yes. And I'm very curious about that because, I mean, you know, it was the fast and the furious, uh, too yes. fast, too furious. Yes. And then we have the fast and furious <laughs> awesome. Tokyo Drift, which is its own thing. And then fast and furious, fast five, fast and furious six, furious seven, F8 or fate. <laughs> Of the furious. furious, yeah, and and now we're just to F nine, F nine, and which saga, right? The, the fast saga, that's what it is. F nine, the fast saga. It's although it doesn't say that in the credits at the end <laughs> no, of the movie, it just no. says F nine, yes. and I just like okay, so if if F eight, fate of the furious, if that we're assuming that was fast, are we assuming this is furious nine? Like, or does it even matter? It's just so weird that they're coming up with these abbreviations for these movies. Like, that's all you need to call it now, F nine. It's like, it doesn't even matter that there's any content in it. It's just, this is all about this incredibly small bit of branding for this movie. F9. And that kind of says, that kind of says it all. Yes, it is. It is great branding. I think it works for it all the way. I, I just assume it means fast. Ever since Fast Five, I've really kind of always referred to them that way. Well, then there's Furious 7. Yeah, there is, but it was always just fast. It's just, I've always just said fast, whatever. And so, yeah. uh, fast, and part of that, though, is because of how much I loved Fast 5. To me, the branding makes sense because it does, it's, it's better marketing, you, you know, and, and the idea of the Fast and the Furious, I think, really comes back more to the first movie, which was about that article about, you know, about street racing, you know, in, in California in the, I want to say it was in the 90s, street racing California in the 90s. And that's what the article was primarily about. And, you know, and then that was all the Fast and the Furious. And it was, you know, it had a connotation there, right? That they were street racers that had, a, you know, like a little minor life of crime. Now we are so far <laughs> removed from that. Okay. Right. Although we get street racing, I was surprised. Yeah, they're <laughs> still in cars. But other than that, we're way away from what that, what that was. And so I think that it does make some sense to then just say, hey, what's a cooler thing to do? Because really what we're building here is a, a nice flat flashy brand, right? Yeah. And a nice flashy brand in really a universe, right? Once you have nine movies that are all taking place in roughly the same universe, you, you're, you're building a universe. And so there is a fast universe and that's what, that's where these movies take place. Yeah, they certainly do. Uh, I, I, you know, for me, it's, it's interesting how this movie has kind of really shifted so much in tone over the course of it, you know, and I, I think there was a lot of talk about those first four, especially when two, three, and four all felt so kind of different and not quite the same. And then all of a sudden Fast Five came out and was like, oh, this is what we can do with this franchise. That's cool. That's kind of fun. Um, but I think something that they really have been pushing largely from the start is this idea of family and and the the and this film certainly digs a lot into that family aspect as we really kind of look at the Toretto lineage kind of going you know yes. all the way back to Dom Dom's childhood with his with his siblings and uh, so I would like to to uh, posit that this is actually Family Nine 
think that's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to pretend that the F stands for, for this particular film. Well, so, well, <laughs> F is a versatile it, letter, so you, can, uh, you can make it stand for a lot of different things. So, <laughs> I, think, I think family is just as good as fast. It all works. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, all right. So, what did you think of this one? Leading, uh, kind of, you've, you've seen all of them. And did you watch Hobbs and Shaw, which is kind of the spinoff? I did watch Hobbs and Shaw, yes. Okay, so you've um, seen everything in this universe I, I, yes, leading I, up I, to this film. I, I've seen it all. I've seen all of them. Goodness, I think Hobbs and Shaw is the only one I've only the only movie I've only seen once. So I've seen all of them multiple times. Um, yeah. So I so initial impressions loved it. Right, this movie was great. It was uh, there was so many things about it that I think that they they improved on and kept going with what they what they're doing and what they're building. Um, I think that the um, First and foremost, it did really kind of two or three things that I really liked. One is sometimes these Fast and Furious movies, they are great bubblegum popcorn with nauseating acting. And I was impressed with the actors that they got to play young Dom and young Jacob and how they were better actors than most of the other regular actors in the movie, right? They were great, <laughs> right? And so, so their scenes with each other and their interactions with each other didn't seem as jilted or forced as sometimes as it does. So I think that they did a great thing there. But the overarching part of the movie, which is really where I've started to love this, I've always loved this movie, this movie franchise, because I was like, I've always enjoyed the ridiculousness of the whole thing, right? And, and that it, it it's a, it's really purely true escapism of like, yes, this would not happen in the real world. And the section of the scene when Roman is talking about how, you know, are we invincible, right? That whole thing, I think to me was really opening up and revealing to the, revealing to the audience, hey, audience, we're in on this too. We recognize that what you're watching now are superhero movies, yeah. right? And, that, and that's what, and that's how all of this stuff happens and works and you can just go with it. And it is, it is massively entertaining, very enjoy, massively entertaining and, each time they ramp up the stunts in each movie, and to me, what they've done in this one, um, I think, are great, which we can talk about each one of them differently, but they're amazing in what they're doing. The, the, yeah, there is a lot of that. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thrilled uh, to kind of hear your reaction with it. This is, it certainly has been getting a lot of kind of up and down as far as kind of reactions uh, from what I've been looking at. And, you know, I think some of it is like some people are very excited that Justin Lin is back in the director's chair. He did three through six. And and then he took a break for a few, and now he's he's back, and here he is doing this one. I'm thrilled that Justin Lin is back. I I, I mean I love F. Gary Gray. I think that what he did with the the Friday films is a lot of fun. But I I wasn't so sure with him as kind of the action director, and and eight seemed a little like that. Well, and seven James Wan. I love James Wan too. Um, but I, I don't think that either of those films were as solid for me as like five and six, which I think are the kind of the pinnacle of of this franchise so far. And this film, I, I'm thrilled that Justin Lin is back. But I also and I don't know if it's because he's kind of taking the reins on on some story elements that other people had done before him, like mm -hmm. all the stuff with Mr. Nobody and and Charlize Theron's character and and all these sorts of elements that we have here. But I found that it was a little plotting, like I didn't get into it nearly as much as I wanted to. Um, I actually agree with you quite a bit. I enjoyed all of the bits of the Toretto childhood that we had, kind of those flashbacks and the story going on then. But uh, like the action sequences, like I, I thought they were exciting. I liked what they were doing with them. But I also felt like, okay, well, eventually, when is this one going to end? You know, and I just I I, really? I don't know if it's because they are trying 
always to one up themselves. And sometimes I'm just like, well, okay, they're not, you know, I, I, I feel like they're making it bigger and bigger, but not necessarily better. And so that's kind of where I ended up sitting. But we'll talk through each of them because I am curious because I think some of them really stand out as better than others. I, I am su- I am surprised by that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we should talk about that. I I don't. Yeah, I, I think that they're ramping them up and making the stunts better, bigger and better and crazier is is, crazier is kind of why sure. I'm. Yeah. yeah, and then that's and that's really kind of what what's left. Right. And that's kind of what I'm going for. That's what, that's kind of what I think they're going for. What I, what I enjoy about it is that that's, that's what they're doing. Well, and I, I certainly enjoy it. And it's certainly something that I could watch again because it's, it's easy stuff to watch. And it's like the James Bond franchise. Like there's a lot of, a, a lot of those movies, like I probably won't return too much, but I still find them entertaining enough to watch, like watching through the action sequences and everything. It's, it's still as fun to look at. And I think that I'll be there with this one because I, I think that there's stuff that, that is definitely interesting and works. But I also just felt like sometimes it's like, all right, well, come on, let's just move us along, move us along. We'll, let's we'll right. talk about that. So, okay, first off, Justin Lin, were you glad to see him back? Did you care that he came back at all? Where's what's your position on Justin Lin back in the director's chair? I missed him, but didn't know that I did. Uh, okay, T- to me, Fast Five has always been the gold standard. Um, you know, Tokyo Drift was it was a cute little movie that I actually saw too many times because it was my uh, son's, my oldest son's first favorite movie. So I saw that, I saw that movie more times than (laughs) I should have. It was, you know, it was good enough to see a couple times, but not as many times I ended up having to watch it. Cause when, as you know, when a, when a uh, five-year-old really latches onto a movie, you're going to watch it a lot. Oh Um, yes. Yeah. Oh yes. So anyway, so yeah, so I, I found that, yeah, once fast five came along, um, that was definitely the watershed moment to me of what they could do with this franchise and what the direction is that they were going. And five and six were the, definitely the best two. I enjoyed seven. Eight was mixed for me. I, I, I did like it a lot, but it, I did, I did notice that it was not as good as the others. Um, and so when Justin Lin came back, it, it felt more like a, when I see F9, it feels more like a return to what uh, Fast Five and, you know, F6 felt like, right? And I, and so, so it was one of those things where, yeah, I, I think he comes back, he makes a far better movie than the, at least the two sequels before him. And, so I think he did a great job. I missed him, but didn't know that I missed him. Uh, I, well, and I mean, certainly he's had his hits or misses in this franchise too, because three and four, it, they he was even still trying to figure out the direction for you know what are they going to do? Like the, everyone is trying to figure out what are we going to do with this? And and yeah, like we said, Fast Five is really where things seemed to kind of you know shift gears as it were and and kind of take us in a whole new direction which was lots and lots of fun yeah absolutely and I, and i think that's part of what as far as things i think that he really brings to the table that other directors don't is part of that is the experience of the four movies right we, because yeah. he was able to start with cuz tokyo drift was kind of like we're going to take the same idea of the first fast and furious but move it to tokyo yeah. and then Fast and Furious was like, okay, we now realize we need Vin Diesel back in this franchise, and we're going to do a story that's really the same idea, just a little bit ramped up, right? And yeah. then, and then he was like, well, no, we can keep going with it, and then there's Fast Five. And so I think that th- the fact that he was around for those four movies creates an attachment and an understanding of these characters that I think is beyond what happened with like you know the directors of Seven and Eight, who were really just kind of carrying the baton of what he had, he was working on to build, and then now he's kind of back and saying, okay, well, I'm going to finish this off in the way that I that I think it should be done. And so I, I look forward to what happens in uh, F- F10 and F11. Is there going to be an 11 now? Yes, 11. I, the, I knew the, there was the, a 10th. Yes. Yep. Yeah, well, the 10th movie is so long. 
that they, they say we're going to split it into two. And so it's going to be two movies. Wow. Okay. Yeah, F11. I, I, so. Because I knew that they were doing a Hobbs and Shaw uh, uh, sequel and a yes, possible yeah. spinoff of that, which I don't know, uh, other than it being a female-led spinoff, I don't know if they really have figured anything out beyond that. But right. And my recollection is that the 10th film they're talking about, that's kind of the end of it, right? I think that yes. Vin Diesel came out and said that that's kind of the end of this whole thing. Yes, but they yeah. decided to make, you know, a four-hour 10th movie, so they're going to make it a <laughs> <laughs> So they're just going to split them in two. It'd be great. Yeah, so it'll right, be right. one. So the, the last two will be, you know, kind of like Kill Bill, where it's one long movie yeah, that you right. split in two pieces. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yep. Interesting, interesting. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I really do like Justin Lin, and I think that he he did manage to kind of figure things out with this. And even, I mean, looking at what he did in Tokyo Drift and, Drift and Fast and Furious, I still think that he was carrying those films well. The action sequences, the way that the story kind of was structured, and I, I think you're certainly seeing that in some of the action sequences here. I, I just find them to be very fun, amped up, a lot of energy, and uh, you know, I, I I feel that he's doing a, a good job with it. So it, it worked for me. Yeah, you brought up the flashbacks because uh, this I did. There, there's a lot of family in this movie. I know this franchise is all about family, but we get even more family because now we're getting all these flashbacks to Dom's childhood, where we find out he had a brother Jacob that's never been brought up before. No. Weirdly, Mia's never in the flashbacks, which is very strange to me. I'm like, why are we having flashbacks to their childhood? She's never there. I don't know. She's in one. Was she in a flashback? Yes. She is in the one. There's one with she and Letty. And the, it's the scene when they do the, when Dom and Jacob have the uh, drag race that are like, you know, the loser goes away. When they thought oh, the girls, the, the girls, right. Yeah, right. The girls that are there, right there, that one of them's Letty. That's one supposed of them's to be, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't that's sure. The yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. yeah, but there, she's not there. But part of it though is, you know, part of what you have to forgive with these Fast and Furious movies is if you start thinking about the timeline too much, things stop making sense, right? Because <laughs> they've never really gone over how far apart in age are Dom and Mia, right? You know, like even in the first one, I mean, Dom is her older brother for sure, but it's not like she's not in high school, right? See, he, they're, everyone's an adult in the first one, yeah, right? So and, and unless Dom is 30, Right. She, she, if she's 22, 23, you're figuring Dom's only two, three years older. Right. You know, so they never really go through that. And so, so then it becomes a thing where since they've never really discussed how far apart they are in age, of course you can squeeze a brother in there. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, in, in between the two of them. And then also even in the conversations about, uh, the, when they talk a little bit about like, you know, what, when the father died and everything that they, the, you know, Letty says to me, well, you were 16. Right. The implication there is now that Dom and Mia are eight to 10 years apart in age. Yeah. Right. Which, which would be, which would then become kind of strange as far as timeline goes, because then it's like, well, wait a minute. That means in the first movie, Dom is 30. Right. You know, so, because, you know, so, so really what I find best when it comes to this with the Fast Furious movies is stuff like that. Let's just let it go. Like you don't, because you, it, I think that they, they rightfully understand that the, the real finer points of a story is not always why you're here. They have themes that they're going for and they're doing these things, some of these things well, but it's really, it's an action, fun, blockbuster movie. But yeah, the, 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 the timeline of their ages doesn't make sense. 
It's and to that end, I mean, it's an action uh, fun blockbuster movie, but it's also a soap opera because this is oh, all the sort of stuff that happens in soap operas, and it just makes me laugh with this franchise so much because it's like, you know, siblings suddenly appear that you never knew about, people die and then come back from the dead, and they're totally fine. It's like over and over again these different things happen, and it cracks me up. But I I think that it they get away with it, and I think people are are so drawn to it because of the the connections that people end up making over these you know this the whole span of this saga of of attaching to these characters because you've had all this time to get to know them and really enjoy being with them exactly and and that's kind of that's really what it is it's it's a fun time with uh you know mostly with characters that you've been watching now for four or five movies uh you know you understand their quirks and their tics and you know you have with characters you have things you like about the characters things you don't like about the characters they're going to still do those things you like and you know and ramp that up and they're going to amp up some of the things you don't like and it's just great It's, it's a real nice entertaining thing and yes it is absolutely a soap opera that, you know, not only with adding in a brother that no one ever heard of, which then means, well, we can throw in other siblings in other movies if you want. <laughs> of course, right? yeah. Because, you know, you never mentioned that one for the first eight movies, so you can bring up another one. Uh, you know, there is no inter- there is no discussion about, well, what about their mother, right? Which that's, yeah, no. that's, that's ripe for ten. Like, does their mom show up somehow? Because they've never discussed <laughs> her, right? You know, what they're doing with that. And then also, uh, the bringing back of Han really is, to me, the ultimate, one of the ultimate mo- moves of we're just going to give the fans what they want. The fans love this character. So, mm-hmm. sure, we killed him twice, but we can get around that. A- and they do, right? You, you know, and they just, they just say, you know, this is what happened. And then, boom, now he's back. Because he died in, did he die, which one, five? He died in or three, s- and then he died again in seven. <laughs> or, or the post credits of six. Well, it depends upon when you, what you, there was a post credit sequence of six where Deckard Shaw kills him, right? Yeah. And then they do it again as the first scene in seven because Deckard yeah. Shaw kills him and then calls up. Dom up and then you know, has a bomb at Dom's house and everything. And that sets seven up and goes there. So yeah. it's, it's the same death scene, but it happened in two different movies. And then in three, it was a random car that hit him. In seven, he's now hit by Deckard. And now in nine, it was Mr. Nobody setting up Deckard as the pawn and the fall guy to hit him in the car to make everybody think he's dead when he's not. And oh, by the way, he has a ward. Right, <laughs> that he has, you know, he has a, a a girl that he's been taking care of for at least ten years, for right? a long time. Yeah. Right, yeah, at least ten years, which is like, and nobody brought this up. Which and that's, that's another thing with time. With this, it's like, well, wait a minute, how much time? How much time has passed? Right, you know, it's for all that to have happened, and and so it's like, you know what, just just go with it. It's, well, and you did see better. the mid credit sequence, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 When he's so with the, another little nod to that whole thing going on between Shaw it, and Han. Exactly. Exactly. Which is, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, and so, you know, Shaw's going to be, you know, be surprised, which I think that's, which I don't know for a fact. I think, though, that a mid credit sequence is for Hobbs and Shaw, too. Like, that's what they're leading into. Oh, you think so? I don't yeah. Th- I mean, it would I make think sense. So. I don't, I, I don't, yeah. Cause I, cause I remember they are making Hobbs and Shaw, too. It would make sense for that to lead into there. And then for Hobbs and Shaw 2 to have some post-credit sequence that brings you back to the F. But that would be, uh, and I know we're just in speculation territory here now, but I mean, in the first Hobbs and Shaw, there are no characters from the franchise in the film other than obviously Hobbs and Shaw, uh, right? None of these other characters pop up. So if Han were to pop up, that would be kind of all of a sudden a, a, a step outside of what they were doing with Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, yes, yeah, because Hobbs and Shaw was staying completely 
you know, kind of a separate story outside of the world yeah. of it, which I think they can still do because Han is an odd, odd how he counts, right? Because he is kind of, he's in this, but he's not pivotal. It's not like if you had Dom show up, right? Now, now you've brought everything together. But Han can kind of move back, or he can move around. I was assuming that it was just going to be a setup for the 10th movie. Oh, okay. I guess we'll just see. We'll just see. Yeah. But let's, uh, let's go back to the flashbacks. I know we were kind of talking about a lot of different yeah. things, but I, I wanted to talk a little about these a little bit more because it was an interesting structure that we have because, this, again, this franchise is so much about family. And here we have this, this scene play out. It, uh, in the in the kind of memories of Dom, you know, we're kind of getting a sense of him and his brother and their dad teaching them like everything they know about racing and all this sort of stuff. And then it's this big race. There's this there's this uh, other driver that is very antagonistic with their dad, and it seems to Dom in his memories that this other driver perhaps sabotaged their dad's car. Uh, to win the race, and then Dad's car actually ended up exploding and killed their dad. Then we kind of, through the course of of the way things play out, we start we start getting a sense that uh, when he's in prison, oh, it was actually I can't remember some car thing, some cracked thing, <laughs> right? Remember. That would that would create misfires and, yeah. and break your car go slower. And they even said it. It's a way for race car drivers to throw a race. And it's it, like, right. oh well, ding. That's exactly. What we're doing. And so then he thinks his brother was actually in on the whole thing. And then later we find out that dad actually had the whole idea and dad and the brother came up with this whole thing and we've got to keep it from Dom. And so we have this interesting flashback structure that, uh, that, and actually I thought there was an inter- interesting moment that really reminded me of, of Fast and Furious, the fourth movie, when Letty dies and then Dom is trying to figure out what happened. And you have that moment where it's almost like he's got, uh, you know, supernatural powers where he's like watching the accident take place and he's like noticing details that it's like, how is he noticing all this? Is he like, <laughs> like, you know, does I, he have some weird cognitive I, abilities? Like it was so strange, but then he's doing the same thing in his flashbacks where he's now watching his brother and it's like, oh, his brother was the one. Like it's so funny watching all of that. I think it was a visualization of repressed oh, memories. I'm, I'm sure because it was. I'm sure th- that's what I, that's not that they're going for. Because in both of those sequences, unlike with the Letty one, but in, the, in this one, <laughs> yeah, the Letty one the, was a stretch. The Letty one was a stretch. <laughs> but this one, it's it's a fuller memory of things of where yes, Dom was at these places, right? Like he he was outside his dad's room when he made the phone call. He heard the one sentence, which at the time, you know, take it, that sentence taken out of context could mean so many different things, yeah. right? And so now he, he's provided a new context where now it means probably what it really meant, which was he was going to, you know, make sure to deliver a throw the race so they get the money, not I'm going to deliver by winning because that's what I'm supposed to do, right? Which is what Dom at that when he first heard it probably thought, so didn't think anything of it. Also, you know, his brother going underneath the car hood and everything and then saying, okay, you're good and everything when he sees it the first time, thinks nothing of it. Second time, it's like, oh, right, I know. Dad's I, saying now or whatever, yeah. Now I have a different context yeah. of this thing that I did yeah, see yeah. happen. So so there's that. I think, though, to me, part of the interesting thing with the flashback sequences was I did not, the way they framed them, I didn't uh, follow them exactly the way they they were, they end up at the end. So the, the best example is in the very first one, I didn't realize it was Dom's father. I thought this was, we're saying, okay, this is his older brother. Right. Oh. And, and that, and that's who was in the car was, was the brother. Cause I mean, once they're making his brother, John Cena, it's not like they, you know, look like twins. So I was yeah. like, well, he, you know, they, you know, they, they basically said, you know, decided to go with this whole, we're going to give guys that look, 
somewhat alike somewhere and then just throw them on there. So I thought that's who it was, was it was like, okay, that's his older brother. And that's also the age difference was also explaining, oh, he's so much older. That's why we've never seen him before, right? And then in the second one, it was like, that's my dad. And then you see John C- the younger John Cena actor, you know, on, on the, you, know, you see Jacob, young Jacob next to him. Then it's like, oh, okay, that's his brother. And so, you know, the, the structure of the flashbacks to me, you know, as I said at the top, it provided with me that I thought these guys performed the soap opera moments better than, uh, better than the regular Fast and Furious actors do. And then two, it did provide a stretch where each time they flashed back, it was a new piece of information for this story. Yeah. Right. You know, now not all of the pieces of information were vastly different than what you thought they were going to be going in. Right. But at the same time, I guess I gave the benefit of the doubt. You didn't know that, oh, his dad actually threw the race and that, you know, he really, the brother isn't as bad as he's being portrayed of being like, he didn't kill his dad, you know, or anything like that. Right. So, so there is, you know, there, it, it provides a good method for the redemption story to occur for Jacob. So that way the, the th- sequences and things that happen at the end of the movie then pay off because you have also gone on this ride of, okay, Jacob's a horrible person. He killed his dad. Now he's the bad guy. He must be stopped to, oh, well, really he was, you know, living in Dom's shadow. His dad asked him to do this to help him out to throw a race to then help pay for debts. And, you know, he, he's like, well, what am I supposed to, you know, he's a son. What, are, what am I supposed to do? And to never tell them. And to never yeah. tell them, right? Like, what's he, what's he supposed to do, right? Yeah, he, right. You know, the, the, the whole idea of like, you know, where Dom's like, well, you should have come and told me. I'm like, well, you're not his dad, right? You know, so it's like, what's he, what are you supposed to do there? So, so yeah, so I think that they did a good job of creating an arc for the Jacob character through the flashbacks that they could not have created reasonably in present time. First of all, it struck me as strange because we've never done this in the franchise before, having like incredibly lengthy flashbacks like this, right? It, yes. it was like a whole new thing. I was like, oh, okay, this is this is new. This is interesting. I ended up going along with it. And I think a lot of the reasons that you've already said, I really liked these actors. I thought that they yeah. really carried those scenes well. I loved the way that it just all played out. It was actually a really interesting story. For me, I'd say maybe a little more interesting than some of the other stuff going on in the present day. But I think that's just because there was like a real heart. There was something really kind of challenging that they were all working through. And so I, I thought that was actually a pretty interesting way to kind of integrate all that. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I thought it was actually a pretty interesting setup for our story, kind of having this whole concept happening. I agree. And, and I, I give the, um, the, the writers of this, you know, the, that, uh, and this one, this one's written by, was it Daniel Casey with Justin Lin and Alfredo Patello, who that's a new set of writers. Most of the other ones are all written by like five through eight, while Chris Morgan and Gary Scott Thompson. So I'll give them credit. The new writers, some of their credits that I really want to give them is doing the flashback sequence this way allowed to have two stories going simultaneously to create the effect that I think that you're describing, right? The flashback story is actually a story with feeling and meaning and stakes and consequences. And, and, and it really, it's, it's a really full story, right? While at the same time, still allowing you to pay service for the present day stuff, because the present day stuff, it's a straight ahead story. Bad guy wants to get a thing that's going to then destroy the world. We have to stop bad guy from doing that, right? The end. That's, that's the real basic story. And that's a basic story of, you know, that's, that's fast six, seven, eight, right? That's, you know, that's, that's, that, that, and that's, and that's where you give them a standard. Even now, Hobbs and Shaw. In, it's always even some like, Shaw, right. really yeah. strange piece of new technology that they're after exactly. that, oh, this is going to destroy the world. And right, right. We got to stop that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, that, and that's great. And so, and the thing is, once you throw in, oh, and it's his brother, right? You have to think, you have to figure out a way of how do we make the stakes work, right? And, 
the flashback sequences make it work, right? Because if, if you took that out, you know, and well, I'll just we'll jump to the he- jump, jump to the end here. Well, if you took that out, when the brother kind of turns against his benefactor a bit, right? At, at the end, because he's get, he gets betrayed, you know, he switches over, the benefactor switches over to be with uh, Cypher, uh, you know, instead of him. And then all of a sudden now he's kind of fighting with Dom's team, right? Without that flashback sequences and the roller coaster, or at least the ride that you've gone through emotionally through that, when that happened, you'd be like, well, that's just a cheap stunt. Yeah. Like it would be as a cheap thing. Like, oh, okay, well, we need him alive for this sequel, so there you go. Right? It would be. It would. It wouldn't have worked at all. And so, by having this this other structure, makes the rest of the movie fuller. Yeah, I I, I think that that's very true. I think that we get a uh, a fuller sense of the story, and especially those moments as we do come to learn the truth as to what happened going on between Jacob and his dad and dom and all of that like when that story is revealed i'm like oh okay wow that's actually kind of interesting and then we have that turn and actually i i totally bought the turn when otto was the uh the really rich guy whose dad rules a country or whatever a dictator and he's the one who is you know kind of ends up as you said teaming with cypher and actually is is double crossing jacob and sends his bodyguard guy up onto the top of the truck to to take out uh, jacob and the moment when when Dom sees what's happening and and that his brother is thrown off the car and he like swerves his car to so his brother has a place to land and I kept saying to myself a car is probably not much better to land on than the road I mean sure a little bit but geez it's still a, it still is a hard thing to be landing on I, I kept laughing at that because they keep doing that in the film over and over which over which, and over again I know yeah yeah, yeah. here Letty yeah, land was- on the car not the dirt below you it's like I think the Dirt would have been softer, Dom. No, that was that was one of the first things that talked about uh, post uh, post of the movie was like, yeah. So in that sequence, when Letty's on the dirt bike and she's been <laughs> shot in the air and falling, so she's traveling at you got to think twenty thirty miles an hour. Dom's in a drift, right? But he's going at least because they've been doing eighty to avoid landmines. So you got to yeah. figure, even in a drift, he's doing forty or fifty miles an hour. So she's traveling twenty miles an hour one way, and she's going to hit a car that's going forty <laughs> miles an hour the opposite direction and not crush every bone in her body. Of course, that's what's going to happen, oh, right? So no, it's it it, it is it's, yes, it's the it's, nonsense it's of the, the world. You just go along with it because it makes you sense. Go with it but I did, I, were, but I liked that moment when he saves his brother, and then all of a sudden it's like, and then Mia kind of comes to the rescue. And she makes sure he's okay. And I was like, I, I liked this. And in a, in a fan franchise that's all about family, you have at this moment, yes, Jacob is their enemy, but he's their brother. And all of a sudden you have this brother and sister working to save their other brother who's just been double-crossed. And the way that that shifted, I, I, I actually bought that and that really worked for me. I liked that. No, I, I, I agree. I, I agree that it was, it was, it, it was, it was, I agree it was well done. And I think that because we got the backstory and the flashbacks, it, we're, we were ready for that change. Well, let's talk. Let's talk through some of the action because there's a lot of action set pieces. Uh, there sure it, is. Yeah. So, well, first off, I don't know if it counts as one, but we have that first car race. I don't know if it's really an action sequence, but certainly it ends in a big explosion. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's yeah, car that, racing. That, I guess it. Yeah, kind of this fits. car racing. The car, the car got some air. That you know that that probably happened. But you know, it, it was that. What to me was more just setting up. To me, the first real big action piece was in the uh, the jungle. The jungles of Montequito, totally made up Central American place. <laughs> yes, when apparently an entire army is guarding a plane. Right. Right. So, so yeah. yeah. So they had an insane amount of the, the army that goes through. So that sequence was, 
Um, I think that sequence was very well done. Um, it was, you know, honestly for me, it was one of the only, really the only sequence in it where parts of it where I, I had time to think. Right. You know, and, and, and I had time to think only because of weird things. Like, for example, I, I, I ride motorcycles and I love riding motorcycles. So when Letty's taking off doing all the stuff in a motorcycle, the fact that she doesn't have anything over her eyes, I'm going, she couldn't see a thing. Right. <laughs> Cause all the air that's going into her eyes, she wouldn't yeah. be able to see a thing going that fast on a motorcycle. Right. And, and then, uh, but then beyond that, the second thing, which I paused for a second, which was the number of people in this army that just kept coming at them made me think like, what, I didn't understand the scale of this, right? Because it seemed like they, the plane crashed in like a a place that had been taken over by separatists, and then they went in and didn't want to get the and it looked like it crashed military, on some ruins because we have some like ancient, you know, I, I don't know. It, again, it's a made up part of Central America, but let's just say Mayan ruins, right? It's just something like that. It's it's those ancient ruins that we have here in the jungle. That is where this where nobody's plane crashed, and they have to retrieve this thing. So yeah, it's. A lot of people. A lot of people. There was just a, there was a lot. And so, so uh, other than that, I was fine with it. There was just too, there was too many of them. I was laughing a lot through this sequence because it reminded me of Indiana Jones and the, and the, uh, uh, the crystal skull because there are so many vehicles driving around in the jungle. And I'm like, are ju- I, I've seen this in other movies and I know for a fact that jungles aren't as paved or, and I know it's not paved, but as ready <laughs> yeah. for a road, uh, as driving as, as all of these jungles seem to be. And again, you have to go along with it in the world in the context that we have here. It's obviously designed for some vehicles because somebody went through and put landmines everywhere to keep vehicles out. I, you know, it was a very strange setup, but I actually really enjoyed the sequence. You know, we've got first the, the kind of the shootout at the plane wreck where, where the military first shows up. And then we see that, that Jacob is actually watching them. And, and as they're racing away and then through this minefield, all of a sudden Jacob shows up because he's trying to get this, this mysterious half sphere that they, they pulled from the wreckage. And then they're trying to get to this bridge so that because the bridge conveniently is at the border from one country to another. And that way they're safe from having to deal with this uh, military anymore. And at at that point, uh, (laughs) that's again, you get into kind of the nonsense of the franchise, which I actually really love all the stuff as silly as it is of them making it over that bridge, which makes no sense to me. But hey, it was fun. And then you have Jacob who steals the piece and he drives off the off of the edge of this cliff with the airplane catching them. And then the airplane Ooh. comes up and catches them. Like, yes. Okay. Yes. That was actually pretty cool. That was pretty yes, cool. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. That, that was cool. It was amazing. I, I find that I rate these uh, stunts on how much I, I laugh at them because the more I laugh at them to me, that's it's, it's almost like an involuntary reaction of how much I enjoyed them, right? Because I'm like, okay, well, this is crazy, and I'm just going with it, right? The <laughs> the bridge sequences, both, I, you know, actually, I will stop for a minute and say one of the things I did like about this sequence is it gave Roman kind of his little hero moment, right, where he actually fought. Because usually Roman is just the cannon fodder of like he's the butt of jokes he says some really funny stupid stupid line and they make fun of him and then he kind of just kind of bumbles along with the rest of them whereas in this one he had it where he was surrounded by a bunch of guys and he actually you know shot them all and everything like that and he got you know helped fought, fought people with the truck and then he had the whole thing where he comes out of the of the truck with that gets caught in the ravine and he pops out the front window and then actually survives the truck <laughs> landing 
just in front of him is right. what we're going to assume happened. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, so, you know, Chuck Lynch is from, so he kind of had his little hero moment in that sequence, which he doesn't get, right? And so I did, I did enjoy, I did enjoy that aspect of it. Um, and then also the both of getting over the bridge, not only one, the, the, the idea of, okay, we're just going to do the first one, which is already crazy. We're going to get the car across by just building up enough inertia that we're going to then assume that it's going to stick to the bridge no matter what the angle of the bridge is and get over. Uh, somehow, okay. somehow. Uh, already right. crazy. Yes. And then that's the other what one is that, does okay, for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and then, and then not only with that, that they were, they do that, which is already crazy. And they say, no, no, we're going to amp this up. They're, they're now going to have Dom grab it, go across and the front fork of his car is going to grab one rope and then they're going to swing along uh, on the outside and everything and then roll over the car, you know, have the car get to the other edge and roll a bunch of times and then come out scratch free. Cause it was, right. it was a cable. So it, it, it wrapped up the cable in his, in his axle. And apparently the cable fork axle. Yes. <laughs> which is strong enough to kind of like hold it as it swung over. I, honestly, it was, it was so nonsensical that I'm like, you know what? It's kind of fun. It's, yeah, it's, it's totally fun because you're right there with them and the, the actors are doing their little grit face because, you know, because you can tell they're like, we don't know if we're going to make it. And it's so nonsensical that you're like, are they going to make it? You, you know, and so it was just, it, but yeah, it was, it was great. The car rolls over a bunch of times and then they kind of almost pop out, brush off the shoulders like, okay, let's not do that again. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, it, I, I, th- I thought that sequence was great. Next up, and this is a very, very minor one, but. Dom hops in the car with Helen Mirren, who has just stolen a necklace. She's here to, or he's here to try finding some information about the person, uh, about his brother and, and where he can find him, which happens to be this rich, this rich person, Otto. And so she, he hops in the car with her and she drives him to the house. Of course, in context of the scene, she's just stolen a necklace and, and cops are chasing her. So we have a chase through the streets of London. And she stole the car. And, she, and it was a really yes. fantastic sports car that she's also stolen. Yes, yes she stole the car too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think of that one? Okay, so I thought having Helen Mirren in the movie is just awesome because she's Helen Mirren and Helen Mirren is awesome. But I did think I, the Cockney accent took, took a bit for me to get used to. I, you know, I, I briefly remember them doing that to having her do a Cockney accent in the last one. And so instead of having her regular you know, her normal voice, which is more of a posh British accent, um, you know, doing that is a bit odd. But Okay, so I had two thoughts of that one, and this is the thought. One, the scene itself is like, you know, okay, whatever. It's kind of cool that they let Helen Mirren, you know, drive the car, and then she's doing the same as everybody else. That's that's great. That's okay. But the 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 other part of it was I started realizing that really that scene just provided service of the plot, right? It was just to say, okay, we have Dom in England. We know he needs to get get a hold of someone, and then we need to get him to Otto and, and his brother, right? How can we do that, right? So there's so many different ways. You can have like them to sit down, have two or three conversations. They put together different pieces, and then Dom eventually ends up there, right? And to me, the which which in retrospect, when I thought about it a second time, and I, and I thought about it after the movie, I was like, oh, well, that was a really slick way to say, hey, let's just shortcut all those conversations. You're going to have some conversation partway through, a little bit of exposition while she's driving a fast car, evading the cops, and then he ends up where you want him to end up, right? And I thought, hey, that was a a way that gets you through parts of movies that are sometimes boring is that stepwise process that you have, like, all I know is the city and I got to get the actual location. And by doing it this way, I, I really found that I thought that was a really smart way to do it. I, I, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And, I, and it, it allowed for another fun chase scene, right? I will also say, as a part of this whole sequence here, after he's had his chat with Jacob, we have this moment where Otto <laughs> called Interpol 
uh, to arrest arrest uh, Dom. And uh, as it's revealed, once he's in the Interpol vehicle, it's actually Cardi B. Cardi B. <laughs> a whole stunt casting. Yeah, right. A whole team of uh, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting set. Is that a potential setup for more stuff in the franchise? Right? Because there's some obviously backstory going on between her and Dom, as it sounds. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little moment that we had there. Yeah, I, I would think it would be something like a set piece that, that they could try to work something out if it wasn't Cardi B as the main character, right? You could have Cardi B in it, but you would need someone else to be the main person that's driving all that. And maybe you do that in another movie, but yeah, you, I mean, you could do that where you could just do, you're going to do like a Charlie's Angels type thing where, you know, they're going to have a whole bunch of, or a large girl team that does, you know, heists or protects people or whatever. You could do something like that. But I, I don't know. I, I looked at it as stunt casting. There was a couple, two or three other, uh, there's other places I saw stunt casting. Yeah. More than anything, I think it reminded me of Hobbs and Shaw, which seemed like we're going to really start playing with the stunt casting in this franchise because people love it and people want to be in this franchise and we're just going to find ways to pop them in when we can. Like when Kevin Hart shows up in Hobbs and Shaw, I'm like, Oh, that's a weird small part for him to be. He was the uh, the air marshal on the on the plane, and just a very small bit. Which I'm like, okay, well, that was it was fun. Is he going to be back? I don't know. Maybe it's just stunt casting, and here's another example of that. So who knows? Or maybe they'll both be an F10. <laughs> just yeah, don't know exactly. where they're going to go. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe with this crazy the franchise. To pull Dom out of something else, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I looked at a stunt casting. There was a, there was one other stunt casting that I that I did notice that was it's much lesser known, right? Because I actually had to explain to my son who it was. But they had the, um, for those that like uh, the 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 stunt casting they had was that the there's a sequence in the end when they're in the truck and they throw uh they, you know they they get in the truck and they kind of there's a fight scene with a large a larger black guy and they throw a bomb on his chest oh yeah, and she's and like and he's like door. oh you'll kill us all and he says it in, in a French. French yeah French you'll kill accent. us all and they kick him out in the, in the, it's a parachute he is the current UFC heavyweight champion oh okay okay so yeah so that that, that was that was the, the there was the other part I was like what you know that was like you know because I was telling my son I was like that's Francis Ngannou and he's like who and I was like all right let me explain to you <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> So next up, we have this is the moment when uh, when Jacob is he is tracked down uh, where the other half of this sphere is, this Ares weapon, and it's in it's in uh, Edinburgh. And so inside like a church inside a vault, which was very strange, but that's how it works. And uh, so now now we have the team kind of all converging here in Edinburgh to stop him. And of course, there is a truck on the street that is full of electromagnets that are disrupting uh, cell phones and everything else that that's happening here. And um, and meanwhile, Otto is out in a car, and he's going to be the pickup point person for Jacob, who's stealing this piece. And then he's he's on the rooftops uh, with uh, zip lines that he's attaching, going from building to building. So, what do you think of this sequence? Overall, the sequence I thought was uh, decent. Um... It wasn't of the sequences. It wasn't my favorite one. Um, it worked. It, the The end of it was was great, right? The the uh, the so the, uh, you know not, not jumping to the end. It was great. There there was a lot of comedic happenstance that occurred in that, right? Where um, where Roman and Tech are in the back of a truck that they you know they then find the back of this truck and then they they, they get the guys and the guys are coming you know the guys bring them in. It's four on two. They're going to kill them and then. Um, 
Ramsey just so happens that when she's following him, then sees this open yellow truck there that she gets in that she can't drive. And it just happens to be the same truck. And so then that they kind of have the comedic fight scene in the back of the truck, right? Which, I mean, it, it worked. It was, it was, it worked. It was fine. It was serviceable for what it was doing. It, of the action sequences to me, it wasn't my favorite until the end when she turns on the, the, uh, uh, the electromagnetic and it pulls that car through the store. Right. I really enjoyed that. And also, I liked even what I looked up about, about the, the practical effects of how they did that, where, you know, they obviously weren't using a real magnet, but they actually had a real car and had to get on the side and pull it through the store. And I thought that piece, that section of it, to me, made all the rest of it worth it. Well, and it, let's also not forget, we have a whole part where, where Dom is in his car. He gets, he gets a souped up car from, and I, I loved seeing, um, Lucas Black back in the franchise, along with several of the other Tokyo Drift uh, guys, right? It's it's Lucas Black, Bow Wow, and Jason Tobin are all back in this film, which was kind of cool to see. And they have the whole rocket car thing, but they're the ones who provide him conveniently with uh, with his car that he needs to be driving around. And he's the one who spots his brother on the zip lines. And so meanwhile, while we have the whole story with the electromagnets, he's now chasing his brother, and then he stops, he runs up onto a building onto the rooftop, tackles his brother through a window they have a whole fight kind of going on inside a, a i don't know it looked like an office complex and then his brother jumps out and now now they're fighting on tops of, of buses and vehicles and as as jacob's trying to get to auto and they're trying to stop him honestly that that to me also was significant mostly just because it was like well both uh dom and jacob bleed in that sequence, right? When they fight, when they fight each other hand to hand, they both bleed. Where, where outside of that, they usually stay without scratches. But yeah, it, it, to, to me, like, like I said, I was fine with it to move the story along. It got it where they then caught Jacob. It had the nice effect of the car at the end. But to, to me, that was on the list of all the action sequences. To me, it was, it was okay. I, I, I was, <laughs> you know, I, I was like, we've had less, some crazy. This one's okay. Let's get back to the crazy. See, this was my favorite action sequence. <laughs> I had so much fun with this, and it's because of the electromagnets. Now, don't get me wrong. The armored truck chase also with the electromagnets, like everything where they're using these. And I'm just like, is this how electromagnets work? I'm not sure. Because in one moment, all they're doing is disrupting cell phone signals and satellite signals. And, and then later, it's like super magnets that you know repel and attract. And I thought I, I loved how they were using the concept of it and using them to draw things to the car or repel them away to stop things and to make things happen. And so I had a lot of fun with this whole sequence and the, just, I, I don't know, everything in it really worked well for me. I had so much fun. It was, they clearly were having fun also with the whole sequence. And I loved the bit with Dom and his brother. And I thought it was really funny when they crashed through the window because it's almost I almost felt like it was from the perspective of the people who <laughs> were working. And all of a sudden, it's like, you're working. And all of a sudden, two guys burst through your window, and you're how many floors up? And then you have this whole fight through the building. And I don't know, that that whole thing just made me laugh. And yeah, absolutely ending with a a, a fantastic moment when they, they pull uh, with the electromagnets, they pull Jacob's vehicle that he's now stolen into their car and that's how they finally capture him i had a blast i loved everything in there. <laughs> the car at the beginning for that one and you can let me know if i'm remembering this in, uh, differently but the car at the end was the first time the electromagnet magnet really affected something outside of the truck 
Like the the one where they were moving the cars around was when they split it all out and put it in a bunch of cars, and they had those little dials, and that's when they were using it to drag all the debris and then push and pull the trucks together and, and all that stuff. Right? They that were the, using they, no, they were using it a little bit for some of that stuff. It was more just, okay. but it was more like that's where we were starting to see what it could do. Like it would drive by and it would yank car or yank phones out of people's hand because there were shots oh, where yes, you had just yes, a bunch yes, of phones yes, and things yeah. stuck to the side, yeah, yeah. like you know seats and things like that. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. And it wasn't dropped it down. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of kept escalating it until the end. And this is the thing. It's like, why all of a sudden at the end, like now every single car it passes, it's totally like yanking, as, you know, so it gets to a point where it's absurd, but I, I went along with it. I had a great time with the electromagnets. Um, good. Good. Yeah. All right. So the next one, we have the attack on the safe house. This is after they've caught Jacob. Otto is now teamed up with, uh, with Cypher and sends in the team to go extract Jacob. And then basically kill everybody. This is where he wants to, you know, Otto is like, I'm, I'm, I'm Han Solo. Like that whole thing where he's like, you know, Star right. Wars reference, yeah. Star Wars reference. <laughs> I was like, I, although Which, I loved the end of that conversation, right? You're Yoda. You're a puppet. Yeah, exactly. Yes. No, the, the ending was great. The rest of it was like, you were kind of wondering where you were going. And then <laughs> exactly. it's like, oh, okay, that works. Right. Um, yeah, that sequence, um, to me, the, it was really more just continue, the continuing establishment of Dom as this superhero best fighter in the world, right? Where he's going to sacrifice himself because they're, oh goodness, because they're, in that sequence, they're, they're caught for a bit and then, uh, the, all the principal characters leave. And then there, a distraction occurs and then they're able to run away. And then they're running away and they're trying to escape. And then they get to a point where they could, they could logically just close and shut this door behind them that the bad guys probably couldn't get through easily and keep running and escape. But Don decides, nope, I'm going to stay here and fight. You know, you got to figure 45 of the best guys, right? there Because they're supposed to be 50. And by then, they've probably killed about five or six. So about 45 of these guys, I'm going to fight them so you guys can escape, <laughs> right? And that just doesn't. And then he does it. And, he, you know, he, he takes out about a dozen of them, you know, and then gets through and then, you know, does the does the Samson move where he takes the chains and pulls it down so everybody oh, then falls dear. down and yeah. crashes down in the yeah. water. And then she, you know, and then Letty swims down and saves him and brings him out. Right. right? Letty, so, who never so, actually <laughs> fled. She didn't, she didn't do exactly. The, exactly the whole reason he was sacrificing himself. She did right, not right, flee. Exactly. I'm like, well, well, I know. And it was a whole yeah, thing. Well, I actually appreciate, I like that. Um, I think that, so, cause when she's, when, when he wakes him up, she's like, without you, that none of this is worth anything. Right? Yeah, no. So, I, yeah. so she's never going to, she's never going to allow him to sacrifice himself for her because she's like, well, if you're not here, then what do I care? Right. Sure. So, um, so then that's, I, I appreciate that. And also I, the other parts of this, which were, we, we kind of skipped over some of these sequences, I think where, this movie does a good job of giving the female action characters more agency, right? Where they are, you know, in fights with, you know, a lot of times with, you know, with men, but they're in fights and able to hold their own. They don't have to be saved by someone like at the end, like where they were kind of just keeping a guy at bay and then they are saved at the end. It's like, no, they actually then finish and win the fights and everything on their own. And so I think that it was the part, that piece of it was part of trying to establish that Letty is not, his girlfriend or his wife, you know, I think, I think they're married at this point. So yeah, yeah they got married. Yeah, in the last yeah. One. So yeah, it was just his wife that she, that he needs to protect, but she is his equal partner. And that if they are taking risks of any kind, they are going to do these, take these risks together. Well, and to that end, I, I skipped over it, but I shouldn't have, we do have the fight in Elle's apartment when yes, Letty in, in, in and Tokyo. Mia right. are trying to right. track down what's going on. This mis- mystery in Tokyo, what is this strange key? It turns out to be Elle, the daughter of the scientists 
who put it together. And of course, that's where we learn, learn that Han is alive. But yeah, we have a, a fight sequence in, in Elle's apartment, uh, which also I think is, it's fun. I, I, I don't think it did a whole lot new, but it still was a fun sequence seeing these three women taking down all these people. Yeah. And, and to me, that was more the new, right? Because they've, they've done in the past few movies, they've done, women in, they, they've done for these Fast Fears movies, they, they've done with women in fight sequences, right? But it really wasn't until the last one, F8, where they finally had a woman fighting, like Letty fighting a man, right? Usually the women are fighting women, like they, they, like they had Gina Carano in it, and then they have, you know, Ronda Rousey in them, and you know, and they have that, and they're, they're you know, there's really strong, powerful women that are fighting, but they're always just women fighting women, right? And so, but this is the first time where they were like, hey, we're in a situation here where we're on the fight of you know, a bunch of guys and they still just, you know, hold their own in, in their own manner and they don't have to be saved by someone else coming in later on, right? Where they, the only time even Han comes on is when the guys are running out to escape and then he shoots a bunch of them, yeah, right? And the he has the, point, yeah. then he has the blue light reveal of himself, <laughs> right? Which yeah. is, you know, which is, which is, I think was intended to be cooler than it came off, but it, you know, it, 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 it worked. I, I was fine. I mean, Everybody knew it was Han, so so I wasn't really so you know funny. surprised by that part of yeah. it. Yeah, um, yeah, but I, so to me that was more the the newness of trying to go a little bit further into making the female characters truly equal to the male characters in, in you know in every way in these franchises. Well, okay, so then let's let's now shift to our big final one. We have the big armor truck chase in Tbilisi, and also paired we have. Uh, Roman and Tej going up uh, in, into, space. <laughs> into space in the rocket into car space. that Lucas Black yes. and his team had put together as they're trying to uh, to kind of destroy this satellite that is or uh, uh, disrupt the signal from the satellite is technically what they're trying to do. Um, all right. Uh, oh, and then this is where we learn that Cypher is out there and she's flying around in this uh, ship and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot going on in this particular sequence. This was one of my favorite sequences in the movie, and here is why. Because this, as I've been saying repeatedly like a broken record, I'm in it for the crazy. And this was crazy. Right? <laughs> when they they launch Roman and Tech off the back of a big airplane in a car with a rocket ship tied to the top of it into space. Right? So there's a movie where they have now done this. Where they launch two men into space in a car... And at the same time, when they're in the, the other scene, they're interjecting it with the two men in space in the car is not the craziest thing going on right now. Right. And that to me was like that. That, that to me was amazing that that part of it was once they got into space, it became like, oh, they're just kind of hanging out in space. Okay. Right. You know, and then, then the sequences, the sequencing going on with the, with the cars, with the electromagnetics, the pulling, the pulling and pushing the cars away from, you know, uh, Dom doing with his own car, the dragging debris behind them to then, you know, distract the other cars that are chasing them, bringing down telephone wires, you know, all the different things they're doing with that chasing. Flipping sequence, right? the armored truck. Flipping over, I had, yeah, right, from I had, its nose. I hadn't gotten there. Oh, okay. Right. Using, using, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was saying, I hadn't gotten there yet. But you're, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Coming together, flipping them, and, and the whole, like, Letty can't get to him, but then that's, and that's also what the turn. So you have the sequence you brought up earlier where Dom throws the car underneath uh, Jacob to save him, and then uh, Mia pulls him up, you know, pulls him up in the truck, which is which was great. And then he then gets in another car, and he comes around, and he can now be joined together with Dom to flip the truck over, which... Flipping the truck over, Dom then, you know, Jacob loses his car, Dom catches him, then 
I don't remember how, but Dom ends up, that's right, Dom comes, comes behind it once he gets beside him, jumps into the truck, right? Because so how did he end up in the truck? They hop onto its underbelly. The whole idea was to attack it from the underside. They blow a hole into it and drop into it to start getting the pieces. Right, but I'm, I, but I know I'm, I'm jumping to see here because they, they flip it over. Yep. And then that part was great, but then they, they end up, okay, no, that, that's a different sequence. Sorry. Cause they, 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 cause they flip it over and then they, but Dom ends up in the truck, doesn't he? And he ends he, up in it. Right. Because he, go, they blow a hole into it because they have to get into right. it to steal the, the Aries and to stop the computer. Oh, so they right. all hop that's into right. the truck. They hop into, They're yes, all yes. trying to get out, but Dom, but, but because it's like, you know, it's, it's starting to go down a hill or something. Yeah. And, right. but Dom, he, because all of a sudden that's when Cypher shows up in the jet. And yes. starts attacking them. So he has to get back in and he's trying to flip it back over and that whole thing. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then has it rolled down the sequence when, when it flips over and rolls down the hill and almost goes off the cliff, but he gets in behind the wheel and shifts it into gear, slams on the accelerator, goes and catches it and gets it, keeps going. I mean, the, the whole sequence was, I mean, visually it was definitely, you know, there, there's always amping up what the danger and challenge was. It, it's, it's so. Fantastic, and I mean that in the in the in the true definition of the word of where it, this is a fantasy, right? You you have to really you're suspending disbelief, right? You, you know, but it's just so well executed and so well done and so much fun to watch and enjoy that it, it is great. And it, and it, I was so impressed with how that interchange sequence overshadowed. We got two guys in space in a car. Right. And, and we're, and still I'm thinking about what's going on the ground. My wife yeah. and I were talking about this afterward. We're like, wait a minute. That car wasn't space ready. I mean, and those suits, they're wearing scuba suits. Like none of this makes any sense at all. Well, yeah. Did you get the, the, to me, the best part, the, the craziest part of the scene was, did you get when they were like, okay, we're going to ram into the satellite to destroy it. Right? Yeah, right. And then it's like, okay, we need to make it go. He pushes on the accelerator. I know. Of the car. <laughs> like they're just driving a car. Yeah. So, so that means that like when they're with the repulsion, he's doing it with the steering wheel. It's I know. amazing. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's, it's so silly. like, okay. Yeah. And they just so happened. And that was my, well, they were like, you know, how are they going to get them back in? Well, they just so happened to come across they, the, the, right. the space station. The right. space station. Well, it's like gravity. Yeah. It's like all of yeah. the things up there happen to be floating really close together. So they, they were yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they just had yeah, to get to the space station. They just happened to be like, oh, there's a space station. All right, let's uh, go. So silly. Yeah. Just so, so yeah, silly. It but it's fun. And, and, and that's where I think the film, this whole franchise, is. it's kind of forgettable. And it all kind of blends together in my head. But it's a lot of fun. And that's why I think that it succeeds, because you do have some of these things, and some of the chases are better than others. But everything with the electromagnetic magnets, I thought, was really fun. And it's, you know, it did play to that joke of the invincibility, which is, I think that works in context of this idea of these people just doing ridiculous things and surviving. I, I think that they're clearly having fun with it. And obviously, the thing that I think draws me to the franchise is these people clearly love working together they have created this family bond i mean really they it is family right it's that sense of you know the people that you you build your own family and they've built it and like you get to the last scene here of the film where you have all of them sitting at a table uh, like 10 people around or this i don't know how many people but a bunch of people sitting around a giant table brian pulls up in the car of course we don't see him but just like the car pulls up you know it's him and it ends. I'm like, you know what? That's it. Succeeds in kind of giving me the feels for kind of this 
the positive vibes that they keep running with the franchise here. So I really like that ending, and I, I liked it on multiple ones. One, I I liked. I think that the I like the the choice of doing the brother allowed them to bring Mia back because they had to try to figure out how do we get Mia to come back and not have Brian here. This way works that you know with Jacob the brother with the yeah. brother story plot, and then at the end to say hey there is a missing chair here, and then to have them come up and everything, and it's like you know you get the feeling that you know which is part of the these the emotional part that I get out of that was the actor given that the actor is actually dead right there is you felt that at that point when they said there's a missing chair here they're not talking about the character anymore no right they right. they are really talking about that this you know that the actor yeah. should be right. here Paul Walker right? it's, you know, it's Paul really Walker, for Paul, yeah. Paul Walker should be here yeah. right yeah that's who should be in this seat right and so and then they will have him come up and drive up that that keeps the you know that, it allows you to keep the image alive of in this universe he didn't die he's still alive but you know you know everybody knows the, the truth of that and I think that that but that to me was a great um a great way to end the movie there. Yeah. To, you know, give a nod to their, to their, uh, to, to their really, and I agree with you, it is like a family. Give a nod to your brother that you've lost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it ends on, a, it ends on a positive high note. And now we're looking forward to the 10th one. So awesome. I, I absolutely am. And, and, and I, and I, um, also wanted to echo and, and say a second as well. I think that these, these movies are exactly what you're saying. They, they, they are forgettable. They, run together um they are just it's the stories aren't these these things of where you're going to become introspective about your place in the world and what you've decided to do with your life choices but <laughs> to me the greatness of these movies is you know that i think movies serve many different purposes and the one of those is hey i'm going to take two and a half hours and i'm going to leave the real world and i'm going to escape and have fun with these characters and people that are in front of me, right? And these fast and these fast and furious, especially since fast, really since fast and furious, but from fast five on, definitely. These these movies deliver that. They say, hey, we're going to give you two and a half hours of pure entertainment where you don't have to think about anything in the real world or anything else that we're just gonna give you a time to escape and have fun. And to me, that is what these movies really deliver. And they do. They definitely do. Um, yeah, and I, I always keep thinking that that five and six are my favorites, but I think seven actually might be my favorite now that I think about it. Seven, the Deckard Shaw, one, the one where Deckard Shaw is the main bad guy. Yeah, and I, Jason I think yeah. I think a lot of that though is because the the way that the film closes with Paul Walker and that whole thing, like that was really emotional, and I, I felt that they really nailed how they ended up having to deal with the, that ending. Like that was very touching. Uh, so uh, and and so I just love that they bring it all together like that. So it's you know it's a it's a it's a fun franchise. So all right, so well let's let's rate this film. So out of unletterboxed, out of five stars, uh, where would you land with this? And would you give it the letterboxed heart? Oh, I went in with the letterboxed heart. Um, <laughs> I figured so. That's an easy question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I went in with that. For me, none of these movies are perfect. But they are all really good to what I would consider great. And Fast Five for me has always been the gold standard for this. And this movie, I think, is at the same level. And so um, I I rate these movies based on what they provide and what they give me. And and I would recommend them to anyone who wants to have an entertaining time in theater. So for me, this is it's four and a half stars with a like of the heart. I absolutely loved this movie and i do think that it was one of those ones where 
I will have to watch it a couple more times and then fast five to figure out which one of the two that I like better. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. This movie was, was, was amazing. Worked well for you. Yeah. Yeah. For me, me where I live. Yeah. Right. For me, <laughs> yeah. I, I land on three stars, uh, three stars with a heart. Um, I, I think that it's a lot of fun, like a lot of these other films. I don't think it quite won me over as much as uh, Fast Five, Six, or Seven did, but I think it's on par with a lot of them. I mean, it's it's a very fun film. It's very easy to watch. I don't love it, but it certainly is something that I would have no problem returning to. So, um, yeah, so that's where I, I land with this one. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I, I plan to watch it. I'll, I'll probably see it in theaters a couple more times at least because <laughs> my, my, uh, my youngest son didn't get to go with us when we saw it. So I was like, well, I'll just go with you later. So, there you go. So, well, I'll tell yeah, you, my kids it's, it's both okay. after we finished it were like, they want to now watch the whole franchise. So I have a feeling. Oh. That, yeah. you know, before the summer's over, we will be probably doing a Fast and Furious uh, kind of family movie night type of thing where we go through the whole thing and and they get to experience all of it. So was this the first one that they'd seen? Yes. Yes. Wow. So, so then jumping in. On do you <laughs> do you Yeah, they're jumping in at the end, which is great. But they I guess I'd be curious, too, what you decide to do with that. Do you start with one or do you start with four? Right, because the first three are such different movies from this. Yeah, but I'd still start right. with one. So and one, and technically, like, yeah, like, like now, they've relabeled, well, they, I don't know if they've labeled it as such, but the third film, Tokyo Drift, they actually now say it's the sixth film. So it actually, um, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I, I guess you would watch one, two, four, five, six, three, seven, eight, nine. I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. From a movie watching experience though, I, I wouldn't do that. So I, I, I may, I may. Cause, cause, yeah, cause I, I'm through, curious. Yeah. yeah. I'd be curious. I'd be curious what the reactions with that then, because if I saw four five and six and then three, that's a very weird like, shift. Right. It'd be a weird shift. Right. Because then all of a sudden like, okay, well, when Han shows up in the middle of three, you are, you have all this knowledge of him and then you'd have no knowledge or caring about any of these other characters. Well, I right? think, I think so much of it is just them saying chronologically, this yes, is, yeah, how, chronologically, this is yeah, where yeah. it actually takes place. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so I, yeah. yeah awesome. Knows? Well, yeah. In, enjoy the marathon. I, I, I we, <laughs> we, we did that. Oh, goodness. Our family did it when the, when the fast eight came out, but yeah. we just jumped to three. And then went from there because the the kid my my kids at the time nobody wants to watch two right <laughs> too fast too furious is just well that's where you meet Roman to, oof nobody wants Ro- to see that and, one. Right, so you meet Roman the first and one, that one so yeah yeah that, yeah the first one they weren't as interested in I couldn't get I couldn't get them into it at the time so we just started at three and then went from there and but yeah the, the, it was uh, doing a fast furious marathon is is a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a fun franchise to do that with. It it's is just you it know is. it's goofy silly fun so. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me, Ocean. I appreciate you uh, hopping on to chat with me about this movie. And uh, yeah, hopefully the two of us will be back to talk about the 10th and maybe 11th, whenever that one rolls around. 10th and 11th. Yes. Yeah. I I look forward to talking to you about both of those. It is going to be fun. And and about the outcome of this marathon. Yeah, right. I'll I'll have to let you know. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it over in our online community over on Discord uh, when we do. Uh, if you are interested in joining our online community with fellow movie lovers, you can learn more at thenextreel.com slash Discord. And if you're interested in supporting us to help keep the lights on and get some great benefits while you're at it, you can head to thenextreel.com slash membership. Thanks to all of you out there who are 
members already and who have been supporting us. We really appreciate it. We have been cranking a lot of member bonus episodes out. Um, our our June one was actually Quiet Place Part 2, and actually we will be back. This is the end of the season. We're actually taking the month of July off. It'll be our hiatus, but we will be back in July to talk about Black Widow. So, And of course, the next reel has a bunch of member bonus episodes as well. And keep in mind, if your next reel feed is too full, each of the shows now have their own respective podcast feeds so you can subscribe to just the ones you're interested in and while you do that also if you could hop into um, your podcatcher apple Podcasts, whatever it may be and if you can leave a star rating or and or review for that particular new uh, feed that would be great just to kind of you know get those back and uh, into the rotation on their platforms all right everybody thank you so much we appreciate it and uh, that's it for today Meeting adjourned. and we played our roles. It wasn't real. It was real to me. To me? You were everything. Bring her home. Put your on. She's such a mom. Sure. I'm done running from my past.
Here on the Film Board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 